The Holy Gospel according to John, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me, not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. First of all, St. Philip the Deacon, a thank you. In 2006, this congregation gave me its blessing to take a two-month sabbatical. With a grant from the Lilly Foundation, God bless them, my husband Phil and I had the great privilege of having a spiritual adventure traveling in India and Europe. It was an absolutely wonderful and renewing time. And I'd like to tell you about something that happened while we were in Italy. We were on a train bound for Siena when we met a young American woman named Alex and her mom. Alex was just 16 and she was an exchange student living in Rome. We hit it off and learned that Alex loved Rome, had lived there for about nine months, and was very knowledgeable about the city. She invited us to come and visit, and she would be our tour guide. We said yes, and a couple of weeks later, we arrived. There was Alex waiting for us at the train station. We went to the Colosseum, and we kept on walking from there, seeing amazing sight after amazing sight. We only slowed down for lunch when we had plans to meet up with a couple from the congregation, which was also quite wonderful. Then we were off again, and that's when we saw the Pantheon. Built around 126, yes, 126, it was designed by Emperor Hadrian to look like the earth and the heavens and to be a sanctuary for all the gods. The building itself is round like the earth and has a domed ceiling like the heavens, and it's exactly as high as it is wide, 142 feet. The dome is a feat of engineering that some say would not be equaled for 1,400 years. At the top of the dome is an oculus, like an eye. 
It's an opening to the sky which lets in light as well as some weather. In the seventh century, the Pantheon became a Christian church. Michelangelo, in about 1600, who looked at everything with an artist's eye and who was not easily impressed, said it was of angelic and not human design. Having survived for an amazing 2,000 years, the Pantheon is one of the great spiritual buildings of the world. Alex, our young tour guide, started to chuckle as we walked away from the Pantheon. What's so funny, Alex, I asked, and here's what she told me. She has a good friend in her class who comes from quite a wealthy family. They live very close to the Pantheon. In class one day, their teacher was instructing them about the Pantheon, about its history, its art, and so forth. Alex said her friend had a very blank look on her face. So after class, she asked her what she thought about the Pantheon. Again, the blank look. Alex said, you know, that incredible round domed building built in the second century that's about a block from your house? And then her friend's face took on a look of comprehension. Oh, she said, you mean that old building next to the McDonald's? <laughs> I'm not making it up. Sometimes we don't see the extraordinary in our midst. It's just there. Sometimes being familiar with something or someone blinds us to how fabulous that one is. For instance, from the Gospel of Luke, we know that Jesus was rejected by the people of Nazareth, which was his hometown as a boy. They were so familiar with him. They'd watched him grow up. They didn't see anything very special. And in our Gospel reading from John, we hear the same thing from the people of Capernaum, Jesus' hometown, as an adult. We're told that they began to complain about Jesus because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus, son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I've come down from heaven? And there it is again, someone familiar to, to them. They know his folks, saying he's the bread of life, no less. Come down from heaven itself? Please. Now, there's only one Jesus, but let's not be too hard on them. Don't we also take for granted some wondrous people in our lives, simply because they are so familiar to us? A friend, a spouse, a brother or sister, a co-worker, a parent, a grandparent. Aren't these wondrous blessings? And don't we sometimes miss that wonder because they're always just around. And then we regret it when it's too late. I invite you to take a fresh look, a close look at your dear ones. Have you been taking them for granted? If so, why not tell them that they are amazing gifts of God to you and give them some love? And if it's true in our relationship with people, isn't it also sometimes true in our relationship with our Savior? Are we a little like the people of Nazareth and Capernaum? Jesus says to us today that he is the bread of life come down from heaven. 
Is the story still wondrous, or is it so familiar that we take it for granted? Remember how the Gospel of John starts out? Not with Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, but long before all of that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and lived among us. From the start of this Gospel, Jesus is God come down from heaven. We call this the Incarnation, and it truly should take our breath away. God became flesh. God became the breath of life. I'd like to share three very brief stories I heard about the Incarnation this morning. Three different human stories that point to the creator of all that is out of great love physically entering this messy, dangerous, tragic, crazy world, stooping from heaven to the soil of earth. And I hope these little stories give us a fresh glimpse of the wonder of the Incarnation. First, remember Harper Lee's novel, To Kill a Mockingbird? The story is told by a girl nicknamed Scout. Her father is Atticus Finch, of course, the town lawyer, and a truly good person. One day, Scout came home from school and told her father about some problems she was having with a teacher and some students. To help her get along better with others, Atticus gave her this advice. First of all, if you can learn a simple trick, Scout, you'll get along a lot better with all kinds of folks. You never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view, until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. That's what Jesus did. Clothed in human flesh, Jesus felt pain as we feel pain. He suffered as we do, he laughed as we do, was born and died. He climbed into our skin and walked around in it. Second story. Several years ago, a California newspaper told the story of a highway patrol officer who received a call that a woman was about to jump off a bridge. This presented the officer with a very difficult dilemma because she herself had a bad fear of heights and the jumper was perched on a railing of a bridge 443 feet above the floor of a deep gorge. However, the officer forced herself to walk calmly toward the woman and sit down beside her in that precarious place. There, high above the gorge, they talked for two hours while the officer struggled with her own panic. Finally, the jumper agreed to come away from the railing and get help. That officer put herself in the very place and in the very same danger as the woman who was going to jump. That's what Jesus did. He put on our flesh and blood. He sat on the dangerous edge of the abyss with us, with all our vulnerability and all our fragility. Last story. A grandfather once found his grandson jumping up and down in the playpen, crying at the top of his voice. When little Johnny saw his grandfather, he reached up his chubby little hands and said, out, Gramps, out! Well, it was only natural for the grandfather to reach down and lift him out of his predicament, but as he was doing so, Johnny's mother stepped up and said, No, Johnny, you are being punished, so you have to stay in there. 
The grandfather was at a loss about what to do. The child's tears and arms reaching out went deep into his heart. But the mother was right in correcting her son, and that couldn't be taken lightly. It was love versus the law, and love found a way. The grandfather couldn't take his grandson out of the playpen, so he climbed in with him. He may have looked a little ridiculous, but his love with it for his grandson was far more important to him than how it looked. And that's what Jesus did for us. Laying aside the royal robes of heaven, Jesus wrapped himself in the rags of humanity and climbed in with us. That's what Jesus did. And he didn't just appear or pretend to be one of us. He became one of us, flesh and blood, just like you and me, feeling hunger and pain and loneliness, heat and cold and thirst. He had family and friends. He knew joy and sorrow. He knew grief. He knew triumph and disappointment. He experienced temptations just as we do, all of it. God got to us by becoming one of us. Preacher Billy Strayhorn put it this way, God wrapped his heart in flesh and blood and let it break upon the cross. This is extraordinary love. Jesus said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He gave up his life for us. This extraordinary love is here, now, today, in our midst, in our world. Jesus climbed into our skin and walked around this life with us. He came out on the ledge with us. He stooped down and climbed into our lives with us. My friends, may Jesus, the bread of life, grant us courage for today, hope for tomorrow, and strength for whatever life requires of us. And may we never take our Lord or one another for granted, but instead be filled with gratitude and wonder. In the name of Jesus, amen.